So I think just about anything that you can do outside is really going to be safer than anything you can do inside. And I know that our local teams have announcements that they're going to allow people into the stadium and uh, with reduced capacity. You know, so the, the idea of sitting at Yankee Stadium with 20% capacity and um, I, I'm not going to worry so much about who's vaccinated next to me and not because we're outside and the risk of transmission really is significantly diminished. Welcome to 20 Minute Health Talk. I'm your host, Rob Hoyle, alongside my co-host, Chris Gazuski. And today our very special guest is Dr. David Hirschwork. He is the interim chair of the Department of Medicine at Northwell Health. He is also the attending physician in the Division of Infectious Diseases at North Shore University Hospital and LIJ. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're in an exciting point where people are being vaccinated. But the question is, once we're vaccinated, what can we do? What can't we do? I've, I'm vaccinated. I feel so empowered, but I know that I still need to wear my masks in certain situations. When can we take the masks off completely? Yeah, I think it is an exciting time. We have over 80 million Americans have gotten at least one dose of a vaccine. So not fully vaccinated, but really we're on our way to getting lots and lots of people vaccinated. And as you point out, there's a lot uh, that people can do. Uh, CDC uh, made recommendations a couple of weeks ago, uh, really speaking directly to this, and suggested that people who have uh, been fully vaccinated, and that means that you're out two weeks from your uh, second uh, shot of one of the mRNA vaccines, or you're two weeks out from receiving this new uh, single shot Johnson & Johnson vaccine, that you can, in small groups, get together and not wear a mask. And that's something very new that people have not heard in a very long time. Uh, so this is exciting. I could speak from personal experience that this is something that I have been able to do over the last couple of weeks. And it feels strange in the beginning to do that, to have people in my home and for us not to be wearing masks. And I feel myself sort of grabbing at my face and wondering where it is, but uh, it has been good. And I, I think it makes a lot of sense because um, the vaccines are protective uh, from becoming infected with COVID, not 100%, but they really are very, very good. And what they really do is they help to essentially eliminate at this point, the risk of developing severe enough illness that it could land somebody in the hospital um, and make um, things really difficult. The other thing that it does is it reduces the risk of transmitting the virus to other people. Um, and so that combination of the reduced risk of becoming infected, and even if you got infected, that you're not going to become very sick, as well as coupling that with the reduced risk of being able to transmit it to somebody else, creates a safe environment to not have to wear masks. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that get lost in the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Everybody focuses on the transmission number, but it's like 100% effective against preventing hospitalization and, and death. Yeah, and if you put it into perspective with what our influenza vaccine achieves on a year-to-year -year basis. So uh, a really good year with flu vaccine is if it's about 55 to 60% effective. Um, but what the real value of the flu vaccine is and what I think the real value of these COVID vaccines will turn out to be is that they will help to 
reduce the duration of symptoms. They'll help to reduce the severity, certainly reduce uh, hospitalizations and risk of death, and also uh, reduce the transmission to other peoples. And I think when all is said and done with th this vaccine, I think that will really be the, the story. And if we can have that achieved, then we'll be closer and closer to having life as normal. And I kind of say normal like that because it's hard to know exactly what normal is in the coming months and you know even beyond that. Yeah. I was just mentioning before that I feel so empowered now that I am vaccinated, but as somebody who's vaccinated, can I still come in contact with somebody who has COVID or may have COVID and then take that and pass it to somebody else if I'm not wearing a mask or not following the, the guidelines and then hurt them? Yeah. So I guess the question is, if, if you have been vaccinated, can you still become infected with COVID? And the answer is yes, you can still become infected with COVID. Uh, the vaccines are excellent, but they're not 100% effective. We know that the uh, efficacy for the Moderna vaccine and the Pfizer vaccine is around 95%. For the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, it's around 72%. Uh, so somebody can still become infected, but if they become infected, they're not going to get nearly as ill as if they had not been vaccinated. That's one thing. The other is, well, what if you don't get infected or show any symptoms? Can you have the virus in your body and then transmit it to other people? And it turns out that the trials that were done to support the value of these drugs didn't look precisely at that, but there's surrogate data to support that it does indeed reduce the likelihood of asymptomatic transmission to other people. Uh, so yes, we believe that there's value in both of those things. But that being said, what are the action steps that you would recommend for somebody who just got their vaccine? Yeah, so somebody gets their vaccine and then I think that uh, they still have to wait the two weeks after being uh, fully vaccinated. So that means two doses of the mRNA vaccines or a single dose of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. They still have to wait two weeks. And I think that you have to assess your underlying medical condition. So uh, I think you know people who are generally uh, healthy can go ahead at that point. And again, in small numbers of uh, people not wear a mask so long as they are in a group of other people who are fully vaccinated. Or if they know that there are other people that they're going to be in contact with who have been really very careful um, in their day-to-day uh, -day things in terms of care with respect to uh, being at risk for COVID. So that's also part of the CDC guidelines. Um, you know, part of the decision as to who you're going to get together with if those people are not yet vaccinated has to do with the underlying uh, health of those people. So you'd have to be uh, careful still getting together with somebody who's not vaccinated if that person has risk factors uh, for developing severe illness associated with COVID infection. But again, if everybody's vaccinated, then really the uh, the gates are open, so to speak, so long as you're doing it in small numbers. So vacations are okay? Uh, vacations? Yeah. Yeah, vacations you can do, but you have to really kind of map out what that means because um, again, you know, we've had at this point 25, 26% of Americans have received at least a single dose, but that means still that 75% of Americans have not gotten uh, their first dose. And 
even though those are going to increase if you are going to travel, uh, which at this point, CDC is recommending people don't do. That's one of the things. And, you know, in part of that is that if you're going to travel on a plane and uh, or Amtrak or things of that sort, that you're going to naturally come into uh, contact with people who've not yet been vaccinated. Um, so I think that you can travel, but it means you still have to kind of map out what it means when you do travel. Is it going to be on a plane with a bunch of people? Is it going to be in a bus or a train? Or are you going to be driving somewhere and where you can meeting up with other people who've been vaccinated? So there's no question that there's a lot more that people can do. Uh, but you have to be uh, mindful of what the situation that you're going to be in. And, you know, the same holds, for example, for uh, dining. Uh, so CDC has not yet said, okay, you can go and uh, have meals inside, um, even though local governments have started to open things up and they've started to do it carefully. They're still concerned because in a restaurant, um, there's people eating and they're not going to be wearing masks. And uh, because of that, um, you know, there's the risk of transmission, especially in an indoor environment. Yeah, speaking of outdoor environments, one of the things that I'm looking forward to the most that we couldn't do last year is I want to go to a baseball game so bad. And so so now we have baseball games coming back. Is that a safer thing because of the reduced capacity and because it's outdoors? I think it is. I think just about anything that you can do outside is really going to be safer than anything you could do inside. And I know that our local teams have announcements that they're going to allow people into the stadium and uh, with reduced capacity. You know, so the, the idea of sitting at Yankee Stadium with 20% capacity, and um, I, I'm not going to worry so much about who's vaccinated next to me and not because we're outside and the risk of transmission really is significantly diminished. I mean, we have now been for weeks at four to 5% in our area, yet there's a different degree of optimism compared to the where, way we were in the summer. I think that last summer, even though the rates were very low, we were still uh, dealing with wounds from our experience in the spring. And we also had this sense of a little bit of gloom knowing that we were likely to have another surge in the fall and winter. And if we looked around the rest of the country, when things were relatively relaxed in our area at these 1% and lower percent positivity rates, we saw other parts of the country having incredibly high uh, surges. And eventually, of course, in our own area in the winter, we started being above 10%. So we're now kind of at this point of being around 4% or so. Uh, it varies from day to day, of course. And, and hopefully we will have a summer again. And I think we will, uh, where our rates will be significantly lower than they are even right now. So I'm sorry, man. Yeah, I was going to say, well, what would you say to my friend? My friend got COVID and he had very, very mild symptoms. And he's saying, I don't think I want to get the vaccine because I don't, it's new. And I got COVID once and it really didn't affect me so much. So why should I go out and get it? And so what do you say to him? Yeah, I, I would advise your friend to get the vaccine. And I think part of that is the vaccine is safe. Uh, part of it really also depends upon how long ago your friend became infected. So if your friend was infected uh, just a month ago, chances are is that he is going to be just fine for the next three months, six months, probably even longer than that. Um, but at some point, not. And he'll lose the immunity that he got from getting the uh, infection the first time. Now, there are certain illnesses for which natural infection provides more robust and long-term immunity compared to getting the vaccine. It 
appears that getting the vaccine for COVID is probably a more reliable long-term supplier of protection compared to natural infection. So um, if, you know, at this point, once your friend has recovered from COVID, I would recommend getting it uh, because of the value that these uh, vaccines provide and also the safety. I mean, these vaccines now, they've been in several clinical trials, each of which has had 40 to 50,000 people in the trials. And as I mentioned, what the numbers are really, we're approaching 100 million people getting their first vaccine will be there in a couple of weeks without any really significant adverse effect. So we have something that's both safe and effective. And you had mentioned that it was developed relatively quickly, but the technology leading to its development has really been studied for many, many years. Well, those are the mRNA, mRNA vaccines. Correct. Yeah. Um, now, say I, I get vac- I get vaccinated and, you know, teachers were, you know, high up on that list and they're getting vaccinated. And the CDC says, you know, we can put desks even closer than they were. Is it, you know, I, is that because we're going to be opening windows and it's going to be, you know, better airflow in the schools? Yeah. You know, I think that the risk of transmission is dependent upon a whole lot and it's dependent upon what the situation in, of the people in the room are. So if you have just about everybody vaccinated, naturally you're going to have reduced risk of transmission. And then there's the issue of what the local environment is and the more ventilation, the better. And simple things like opening windows uh, provides a significant improvement in ventilation compared to not. Unfortunately, many schools are older and it can be actually difficult to open windows. And also for safety purposes, opening windows in schoolrooms is not something that's always felt to be very natural. Uh, but I think more and more uh, we will be seeing the effort to improve ventilation and, and have windows opening because uh, it's known that just that recirculation of air uh, in the same way that being outside a Yankee Stadium reduces the risk of transmission just by opening a window either in your home or a classroom or in a car uh, are things that really can, uh, make it a safer environment. I, uh, I thought last year, like being outside in the, in the summertime was like the magic bullet. And, uh, but then you see instances like what's going on and down in Miami and spring break and all that. And you just gotta like, uh, I guess hope and pray we don't, we don't get another wave out of this. Yeah. And I, and I think fortunately, uh, that was something that happened outside and, you know, it still makes us uncomfortable to see people in such large crowds so close together, even if it's outside, but it would be much better if that occurs outside compared to inside. And I'm not endorsing it, of course, but, uh, but I do think every time I see a large crowd, if they're outside, I feel a little bit better about the situation compared to inside. And yeah, I think that anything that you can do outside is better than inside, which is why, for example, the, all the restaurants that were starting to open up and figure out ways to serve people outside has really been terrific, I think. Yeah. And one of the, um, the things that, you know, we're talking about when we pay attention to the news and it seems like more people are paying attention to the news, you know, we're very excited because we're seeing this light at the end of the tunnel and this light is growing bigger and bigger. But one of the things that seems to scare us a little bit is this talk of these new variants that spread faster, that can be more deadly and, and more debilitating. Would that a different variant be worse. Can my, my friend get it again and get that variant and then be, you know, have different symptoms? Yeah. So the, the answer to that really depends upon what the variant is. Um, and we're dealing around the world right now with several different variants. And uh, so, for example, there's a variant called the B117 variant, and that's one that originated in the UK. 
Um, that one actually is neutralized very well by all of the vaccines that we have available. The problem with it is that it um, is more contagious and more deadly. Um, and because of the increased contagiousness and the, uh, that is part of the reason why countries like Israel and the UK and uh, now France and Germany are struggling a bit. Uh, and even Israel, which has vaccinated lots and lots of people and had a lockdown, they were really at a plateau for a while before they started to come down because of the increased contagiousness of this strain. On the other hand, a uh, strain called the 351 strain, which originated in South Africa, that one is less able to be neutralized by our current vaccines. Um, the vaccines are valuable in still reducing the risk of developing severe illness associated with COVID, but they don't neutralize the virus to the same extent. Our ability to sort of navigate all of this over the next several weeks, months, is going to really depend upon what variants we're experiencing in our region. Currently, even though we have had a ramp up in uh, testing for uh, genetic sequencing and variants. We're still not doing a ton of it. Uh, so we know a little bit more than we did a month or two ago, but probably still not as much as we would like to know about what variants are circulating in our area. So we'll have to keep a close eye on that. We do a segment called Off Your Chest, where we're going to give you an opportunity to get some mis misinformation off your chest and, and right some wrongs here. Uh, anything come to mind? Is this related to COVID or just misinformation in my <laughs> Whatever life? Whatever you general? choose. <laughs> Open canvas. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I, I do want to kind of, again, emphasize how important the vaccines are and how safe they are and how effective they are. But the good news is that we have seen uh, groups of people uh, overall that have slowly uh, made decisions to get vaccinated. And I think that's really good news. We're going to get to a point pretty soon, probably over the next couple of weeks, where the supply of vaccines is really going to be higher than the demand. And I think that's when we, as a society, are going to be really tested because we're still not going to be at herd immunity. And we're going to have a lot of people that can get vaccinated, but who have made a choice in that moment not to. And we're going to have to all work really hard to try to get more and more people vaccinated. And that's going to be the only way out of all of this is that if we reach a high enough proportion of people that are immunologically protected from this virus. Well, I, I think it is getting better because I, I did see a recent study that I think was by the, the Pew Institute. Um, they said something that was like 30 percent of people back in the fall said that they were interested in getting the vaccine, but it's up to like 70 now. Yeah. And, you know, it it uh, varies depending upon groups. It it varies sure. by sex. It varies by age. It varies by race. And it even varies by political affiliation. Um, and I think that we have to recognize all that. We have to recognize the reasons why people are on the fence. And we have to try to do everything we can to engage and not get overly frustrated because I don't think that helps things. But we have to try to have some understanding as to what it is that's making people sit on the fence. We always like to end on a positive note. So <laughs> what gives you hope? What gives you optimism as we, we go into the warmer weather? Well, I think about last summer, and I know that the next uh, few weeks and maybe even a month or two could be challenging. We may have ups and downs with this virus, and you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw another small surge. But I think as we get into July and August, I see a very different situation. And I am optimistic that we will have enough people agree to be vaccinated 
Uh, and even if there is penetration of some of these variants, that uh, the vaccine will still have significant benefit. And uh, so I see the end of the summer as a much brighter time. And you know, one of my favorite times of year is uh, the September and the fall. And I and I you know could even envision a situation where there's less mask wearing, that theaters start to open up again, and and uh, you know the New York City looks like a different place compared to the way it's looked in the last year. Um, so I do uh, feel good about that, at least looking out over the next several months. If I could read between the lines here, I'm going to guess that you're a Yankees fan. So maybe we get together and have a beer at Yankee Stadium. Sounds great. Awesome. Hey, sign me up. <laughs> Dr. Hirschler, thank you so much for joining us on 20 Minute Health Talk. And for everyone who tuned in, thank you so much for listening. Have a great day and stay safe. Get more expert insight from some of the leading voices in healthcare today. Subscribe to 20 Minute Health Talk on Podbean, Pandora, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts.